0: All right, go ahead and turn to your Bibles uh to the book of Jonah, The Book of Jonah. Now I say that because we're actually going to cover the whole book. We're not going to read every single verse, so don't get don't get too upset but uh we're going to cover the whole story of jonah so um I know when you hear uh, you know turn it to Jonah, you probably think back to maybe if, if you grew up in church in church you uh you might think about. Sunday school and hearing the story of Jonah, um, probably a lot. And that's kind of how I was, um, you know, growing up in church. You hear the story of Jonah, uh, I don't know how many times. But it's one of those perfect, like, Sunday school stories, right? Uh, Something that is really going to appeal to kids. It's kind of like David and Goliath. You know, you got this kid who's fighting this big giant, and he takes him out with a a sling and a stone. Uh, Or you got stories like when Jesus fed the 5,000, you know, God, Jesus is able to take this small little meal and feed thousands of people. So that's, that's a really great one that really draws the kids' attention. Um, and, you know, those are really amazing stories. But Jonah was also one of those because it's about a guy who gets eaten by a fish, right? And so that's pretty crazy when you hear that uh, growing up. You're a little kid. You're hearing about this guy getting swallowed whole by a fish. And I don't know about you, but... When I try and think back to, you know, learning about the story of Jonah in Sunday school and kind of thinking about, okay, what, what was the the lesson? How did the story end and things like that? Um, I kind of remember, you know, God tells him to go. He doesn't go at first. He runs. He gets swallowed by the fish. You know, he repents. And then he goes and Nineveh repents and everybody's happy. Well, that's not actually how it ends. Um, but, you know, it's a great story because, uh it really teaches you the lesson of following after what God has for you, right? Um, and obviously there's going to be consequences. Now, when I was a kid, what I got from it is if you don't do what God wants you to do, you're going to be swallowed by a fish. Now, that may or may not happen to you, but, you know, the, the moral of it really is that if you don't follow after what God has for you, if you don't go after that immediately... Um, then there are going to be consequences. But there is more than just that lesson in the story of Jonah. Jonah actually learns um, kind of a separate lesson himself. And so we're going to kind of look at it from that perspective this morning. Um, So you're in the book of Jonah. What we're going to do is we're going to start in uh, in chapter 1, and we're going to read um, just down through, uh, let's see, we're going to read through verse 10, I believe. Yeah. All right. It says there in chapter chapter 1, verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is coming up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So first off, right off the bat, you see in verses 1 and 2, God tells Jonah, he says, all right, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to tell them that they're living wickedly, that they need to turn around. And there's absolutely no hesitation. Jonah immediately just goes the complete other way. He wants nothing to do with it. Now, that could, be, that could have something to do with, you know, he's thinking this is a big city of a lot of people who um, aren't really friendly. You know, they're not living for God, and I'm one guy. So he's probably kind of looking at, at it that way. Um, but he immediately runs away. So continue reading in verse 4. It says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him, and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so, be that God will think upon us, and we perish not. And they said, every one to his fellow, Come, and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Which, you know, by the way, this, it's a game of chance that they're playing. I don't think it was by chance that it, it fell on Jonah. I think God was a little bit in control there. Um, but continuing in verse 8, it says, Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon you. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am in Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Verse 11. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, and the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought, and was tempestuous." And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. All right, so just kind of uh, to summarize what's going on here, you see again in verses 1 through 3 where God commands and then Jonah immediately runs. He doesn't even think about it. He doesn't try to bargain with God or anything like that. He just immediately turns the other way. Um, But, you know, we know from other stories throughout the Bible uh, really the first people that we read about in the Bible, Adam and Eve, they tried to hide from God, and that didn't turn out too well for them because as they found out, God knew where they were all the time. Um, and it's kind of funny, too. Jonah, not only did he run away, but he was up in the bottom of the, of the ship sleeping, right? And so he's trying to run away, go the other direction. Maybe he's thinking he's hiding even better by being in the bottom of the ship, um, but it's really not doing him any good at all. Verses 5 and 6, we see Jonah was oblivious to what was going on around him. You, you know, we read about how the storm was so crazy. It says that the storm was so fierce and intense that the ship was ready to be broken. And we read about how this is a, a ship that he's on. There's a whole crew. There's Jonah. They have all kinds of things that they're carrying. So it's probably a, a pretty decent-sized ship. So if if this storm is so in, intense that it's about to break the ship, it's probably a pretty crazy storm. But Jonah, he's asleep in the bottom of the ship and completely unaware Of what's going on around him. And I think that's something that we tend to do a lot, you know, and not only, not only was there the, the storm that was going on, that all the noise and the, the commotion with that, but you have all these men that are on the ship and they're all kind of frantically running around trying to figure out what they need to do, trying to figure out how they're going to get out of this without dying. Um, but we can kind of do that a lot. You know, God tries to get our attention. He tries to, uh, call us to go do something you know Laura was talking about um, finding ways to serve God and it's really true how if if you're not finding ways to serve God then you're not really looking hard enough right God's trying to get our attention but we're so distracted with what's going on around us whether it's you know our day-to-day life our our jobs that we have uh, family friendships relationships whatever it might be we get so distracted because we don't start off on the right foot we start off by putting the focus on other things instead of God you know, if we if we put our focus first and foremost on God from the time we wake up to the time we go to sleep, then we're not going to be so oblivious when God's trying to get our attention. But that's where Jonah's at, and that's where we, we kind of find ourselves sometimes. You know, we're focused on ourselves. Maybe we have a hardened heart. We're maybe mad at God at the time, and we're just kind of oblivious to what's going on around us when God's trying to get our attention. Um, but I always find it interesting, you know, when we, you go through Bible stories, and you definitely see it a lot, I think, we do a lot of comparisons with us and the Israelites or us and the disciples, and we kind of look at them, and we kind of, you know, look down on them and think, how how could they do something like that? Why would they have that thought process? But we're kind of in, in, the, in their shoes a lot of times, right? We do the same thing, but it's really easy to point out when somebody else is messing up as opposed to focusing when we're doing it ourselves. But uh, moving on, verses 7 through 12, we see that the men, they question Jonah. You know, they're... Who knows how long? We don't know exactly how long they're trying to figure out what they're going to do, how they're going to uh, survive. We already see that they're trying to throw things over the ship, see if that helps. Um, but finally, they end up coming to Jonah. They, they have to wake him up, first of all. So they're probably wondering, how is he even able to sleep through all this? Um, especially, I mean, you got to think that these guys, a lot of them are probably experienced, experienced men out on, out on the water, in the ship. Um, and Jonah, we don't, we don't really know, but he probably really wasn't that experienced out there, yet somehow he's able to sleep through all of that. Um, so that's probably kind of throwing them off. They're not really sure how he's able to do that. But as this is happening, they come to him, and they're kind of confronting Jonah and saying, listen, this is the situation. What are you going to do about it? Jonah finally wakes up. He realizes that this is God trying to get his attention. He finally is putting two and two together when, it, 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 from our perspective, it should have been obvious, right? he immediately ran from God, and now all these crazy things are happening. It should have been pretty obvious. But again, he was, he was too focused on doing what he wanted to do. He was so just unaware of what was going on, he was even able to sleep through all of that crazy storm. So just to kind of wrap up what we get from chapter 1, um, first of all, obviously we see that God is in control, right? From the very beginning of the story, um, and we're going to see throughout the rest of the book, that God's in control every step of the way. Like I said before, even when when they were casting lots, you know, that's supposed to be a game of chance. Well, God was in control of that. He made sure that they fell to Jonah so that that he would be able to, you know, continue on the path towards what God wanted him to do, to maybe kind of try and wake Jonah up and uh, head on to Nineveh like he originally wanted him to. So we see that God was in control. Um, even though Jonah thought he was in control, right? He thought that he had everything figured out. He goes, okay, I know God wants me to go here, but I'm going to go this way. I got a ticket for a ship. We're going off to this place to complete the other direction. I'm going to hide down here in the bottom of the ship. We're covered, right? But God still was able to find him. Um, so even though he thought he was in control, God was in control the entire time. And that's definitely something that we can find, you know, a situation we can find ourselves in many times. We try to, maybe um, we're going through hard times in our lives, whatever that might be, um, and we try to figure it out on our own. And we keep trying to figure it out, figure it out, and then finally we only turn to God when we have no other choice, right? And we're going to see that in Jonah's life here in a little bit. But we do that so many times where the only time we turn to God is when we feel like, well, I've tried everything else, so I guess I can try this. When that should be our first response, we should immediately turn to him when we're facing trials and, and hardships in our life. But we also kind kind of like to be in control. And when things are going good in our life, maybe we're not dealing with any kind of trials or hardships. Things are going well. And so we might not actively think that it's because of something we did, but we think, well, things are going great. I must be doing everything right. And so we kind of almost let our pride get in the way, think we had something to do with it. And that's why when, you know, things kind of fall out of order, that's why we try and fix it ourselves. We don't turn to God for that. So, um, but one thing I want us to really kind of pull away from this first chapter of Jonah is the other men on the boat. Like, what happened to them? We don't hear about them after Jonah, you know, gets tossed overboard, right? Um, we don't hear any more of what happened to them. But we read in verses, uh, in verse 10, where it says, the men were exceedingly afraid and it to him, why hast thou done this? So just from the little bit that Jonah told them of who he was and what God he worshipped, they, kind of, they were kind of realizing, okay, it must be this guy's God that is causing this. And they're realizing how great and powerful God is because he's able to control, you know, the storm, the sea, everything. And so we see that they start to fear God. Um, and it's something that we can kind of really look at and think of, okay, how, how do I react when I'm going through trials, Right. Because it's not just going to affect me of how I react. It's going to affect other people around me. Those men that, that Jonah was around on the ship, what he was going through, it kind of opened their eyes to God. Now, they didn't immediately know everything about God. But maybe, you know, as, you know, the, the storms calmed, and they, you know, docked wherever they were going and they kind of were telling people the story. Because you know you're going to tell somebody that story, right? You know you're going to say, once you get in, you're going to say, you should have seen the storm that we, we dealt with when we were out on the water. It was intense. This guy said that, you know, his God was in control of everything, and the second we threw him overboard, everything calmed down. It was insane. And so they're going to tell that story, and then maybe along the way, they're going to meet somebody who knows about God, who knows who he is, and, and then, you know, that can kind of start to form a, a conversation, a relationship that that person can have with God. And that's kind of what we can kind of do, you know, with our trials when we're going through hard times. How we react, yes, it's going to affect us in certain ways. It's going to benefit us or hurt us. But there's other people that are going to be watching us. They're going to see how we react to those, those hard times, um, especially if, if that person knows that we claim to be a Christian. You know, they know that we go to church regularly, and then they see us just kind of losing our mind when things start getting unraveled. You know, they're, they're going to kind of take note of that, and it's going to be difficult for us to be able to, you know, kind of witness to them or say, hey, you know, why don't you come to church with me this Sunday? And they're going to kind of look at you and be like, I don't know if I want to go there because you seem to just kind of lose your mind when everything, you know, gets out of order. So maybe they don't have all the answers there, but that's what's important to remember. That's the main thing I want us to take out of this first chapter: is that when we react to hard times that come our way, it's not just going to affect us. There's other people around us who are going to see how we react to those hard times. Um, and one one verse that always comes to mind. Uh, when I think about something like this, how our actions can affect other people, or how we deal with hard times can affect other people, is when we read about, you know, the peace that passes all understanding. You know, that's something that you kind of hear, and then maybe you don't think about uh, what exactly that means, because, you know, maybe nowadays we wouldn't word it that way, the peace that passes all understanding. What that means is, when you're going through hard times, when you're you know things aren't going your way and you're still still able to be calm and actually have joy be joyful because of christ people who don't have christ they don't know jesus they're going to kind of look at you and they might think that you are a little weird like how, how in the world can you be in such a good mood be so calm and like be so happy and joyful when i know all these crazy things are going on in your life how is that possible you know and that's another way we can start that conversation and say well let me tell you how i'm able to be so happy how, it's, how I'm able to be at peace, even though all these things are kind of crazy in my life right now. And that's how we're able to, you know, witness the people that way. And that's how our actions, how we react to the hard times when they come. That's, that's just one way that we're able to use that to witness the people. So let's go ahead and move on to chapter 2 in Jonah. Um, <clears throat> and here's where we're going to kind of see Jonah turning to God because he really has no other choice to at this point. Um, so let's go ahead and read verses 1 through 10 here in chapter 2. We're just going to read the whole chapter. And this is Jonah's prayer to God. He's already in the belly of the fish, and this is him kind of coming to terms with what's going on. It says there, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly, hell I, out of, out of, the belly of hell I cried, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed about me. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought me up my life, brought up my life from corruption, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe, the, that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay, that, that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah unto, uh, upon dry land. So, again, this is Jonah. He's, he's obviously in the belly of the fish, and he's kind of looking back and recapping what happened to him from the time he got thrown out. And now he's really starting to see that God's in control the entire time. He's, he's starting to notice that from the time he got on the ship that God was in charge, right? He, he, he kind of started to realize it when he was on the ship when he was confessing to the other men that were there. Um, But really he's kind of, you know, maybe kind of playing it out in his head because he's in the belly of the fish, probably really dark, damp. Nobody else to talk to. What else is he going to do? He's going to think back to, you know, all right, how did I end up here? Right. So he's he's kind of trying to do a replay, figure out, all right, what's my game plan going forward? And he realizes that his game plan going forward is trusting in God because he's been in control the whole time. And he even says at the end of verse 9, salvation is of the Lord. So just to kind of recap, in verses 1 through 4, uh, we see that he recognizes that God's in complete control. Again, um, he's, he's showing that from the minute he, he turned the other way and ran, that God was in control, that he was the one causing all these different things to happen. And he realizes that where he is is a direct result of his running and hiding. So not only is he understanding that God's in control, but he's, he's figuring out, you know, if I had just gone and done what God wanted me to do the first time, I wouldn't be here right now. And a lot of times we do that same thing. We don't realize it until we've already been there. We learn the hard way instead of, you know, just following after God, trusting in him. Thinking back to the other times when God called us to do things and, you know, we we ended up going and doing what he told us to do and things seemed to work out. We forget those times uh, just because maybe he's calling us out of our comfort zone and we're thinking, well, I don't know, I don't know, God, that's not really something that I'm comfortable with doing that's uh, not anything I'm experienced in, and, you know, he's still in control. He wouldn't be calling us to do it if he wasn't able to use us in that area. And again, when we're thinking about that, when, when we have that thought process of, that's not something I know anything about, that's out of my comfort zone, again, we're trusting on our own abilities, on our own, you know, whatever that we're able to do. We're only trusting in our own selves. We're not thinking, okay, Maybe God's going to be able to bridge the gap where my abilities end, and he's going to help me, you know, complete the task that he's calling me to. Um, So, again, he's realizing that where he's at is a direct result of his running and hiding. And then we see that uh, he reached his lowest point, right? And that's what I was talking about before, where a lot of times we, we turn to God when we feel we have no other choice but to turn to God. When really, that should have been our first choice in the, in the beginning. And he's reached his rock bottom, his lowest point. And so I just kind of think back to, you know, in your life, it could have been recently. Um, it could have been years ago. But think back in your life when, you know, you're going through those hard times and you keep trying to get your way out of it. But really, all you're doing is just dig, digging yourself in deeper. And finally, you, you reach your lowest point. You feel like there's absolutely nothing else you can do. And you turn to God it's a good thing that we're turning to God because we're recognizing that he's going to get us out. But we sh- again, we should have turned to him in the first place, and then we wouldn't have all the mess around us. If Jonah had just turned to God and followed after him in the first place, he wouldn't have the mess around him that he's in. Um, his is a little bit more of a, a literal mess that he's dealing with in the belly of the fish. Sometimes ours might be, sometimes maybe not. But uh, that's where he's at, and a lot of times we find ourselves in the same situation. So, And then finally, in the last... Uh, Last four verses, we see that Jonah acknowledges that his only salvation is by God. Um, And I think it's really cool that now, obviously, Jonah didn't speak the English word of salvation here when he was, you know, praying this to God. But I think it's really cool that, you know, the original language translates that word to salvation, right? And this is way before Jesus even came to the earth and died on the cross so that we could have salvation. Um, But that's, uh, it's a great picture of the salvation that we do have through christ right because without him if before we accept christ as our savior we might as well be in the belly of a fish with like no idea of where we're going to go uh, assuming that we're going to die there's no way out uh, that's really where we are in our lives before we have christ and so i think that's a great picture of you know the salvation that he recognizes that he gets only through god and the salvation that we know that we have only through christ um but another thing that i think is really important for us to notice Is that in verse 9 it says, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. So not only is he um, recognizing, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do what it is that you've called me to do, but even though it's something that obviously he's not comfortable with, otherwise he wouldn't have ran the other way, he's still going to do it uh, with a thankful heart, uh, with that idea of thanksgiving. And that's something that I think we really need to kind of focus on when. you know, maybe we're dragging our feet to go do something that God's calling us to do. And we're afraid to do it, uh, not comfortable with it. And sometimes we might end up doing it anyway, Be like, all right, fine, God, I'll go. But we're not doing it with Thanksgiving, right? He, he's recognizing, I'm going to do it with Thanksgiving, because I know you're my only way out. And really, we should be giving thanks to God in everything that we do, you know, giving him praise and glory, giving him of everything that we have. Um, just this last Wednesday, uh, In the youth group, we were talking about giving God really of everything, you know, uh, and we covered things like our abilities, our gifts, our talents, things like that, uh, giving of that to God so that uh, we can bring glory to him in that way. Um, uh, We talked about, you know, the treasures that we have. Now, that could be, you know, actual money. Uh, Teenagers a lot of times don't have very much money, so it's a little difficult to make that connection of, well, how am I going to give God money if I don't have any money myself? Well, that's where, that's where the idea of treasures comes in. It's not just money; it's you know the things that we value, and that could be spending time doing a hobby that we have, and it's not bad to have a hobby. You know, it's not bad to have things that you enjoy to do um, outside of the church or things that aren't directly related to church. But once that takes precedence and priority over God, then it becomes a problem. And so that's that's you know those are things that we value. So our, that's our treasures. We're able to give our treasures to God and. Most importantly, giving him our time. Now, that could be in, in the aspect of serving in the church or some kind of ministry. Uh, really, a lot of times it just boils down to giving God of our time by spending time in his word and praying and just having that relationship with him. Um, and we can give God all those things, give him our time, our treasures, our talents, all those things. And nothing we can ever give him is ever going to amount in or come anywhere equal to what he gave to us. When, when Jesus died on the cross for us. And so, but that's not the point of doing all that. We're not giving it to him to try and, you know, balance the scales and say, okay, we're almost even now because we know we're never going to get there. We're doing those things because he saved us, because of that salvation. We can give him thanks and show him that glory by giving him all those things. And that's where Jonah's coming from with this idea of surrendering to his will with thanksgiving. He's, he's recognizing, I get to go do God's will. He's using me to accomplish this task. And now maybe he's starting to think, you know, God's trying to use me. He's thinking of this big city of Nineveh, this wicked city. God's going to use me to, to help preach to them, uh, tell them to repent. You know, he, might, he doesn't know exactly how it's going to go, but God wants to use him to go to go minister to those people. And that's how we should really look at it. We should surrender our time, our talents. Um, our treasures to God thankfully because we're able to give him glory in that and he's, he's able to use that for his glory. So he's surrendering with thanksgiving. So just uh, what do we get from chapter two, right? First of all, we shouldn't wait until we hit rock bottom to surrender to God's call and we always seem to forget that fact until we get to that point. We get to rock bottom and we turn to God and, you know, things start straightening out and say, man, I shouldn't have waited so long. I should have just turned to him Im- immediately. But that's why, you know, you know, I, I tell the teens all, all the time, sometimes we go over stuff, stories, or, you know, concepts, things that they've probably heard a bunch of different times. But it's great to have those reminders because sometimes the most basic things we forget about, you know, we forget that we should be doing these things because uh, we get, again, like Jonah was, distracted by what's going on around us. We get wrapped up in our lives and our schedules. Um... But, again, we need to remind ourselves to not wait until we hit the bottom before we turn to God. Um, And then also, when we do surrender to God's call, we should do it happily and thankfully, uh, knowing that he's in control. Right? The fact that he's in control should help us surrender to him thankfully and happily because understanding that he's in control, that should take a big burden off of us, thinking, okay, I don't have to worry about all these different little details. I just need to follow after God, seek his will in each and every step of the way and he's got the rest that takes a huge burden off of us and so that that's going to help us be able to surrender to him thankfully and happily so now we're going to go over um chapters three and four and here's where we kind of get to um maybe the end of the story of of jonah that we know that you know nineveh repents and if you haven't heard the story sorry i spoiled it for you nineveh does turn back to god um but uh We're going to see, you know, that's where, you know, maybe growing up in Sunday school, that's where you remember uh, the story ending. And then we're going to kind of see Jonah's reaction to everything and what happens after that. that. So let's go ahead and read uh, again. We're going to read all of chapter 3. And I know I told you we weren't going to read all the verses in the whole book, and we aren't, but we are reading a lot. So hopefully you came ready for that this morning. Chapter 3, it says... And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. I think it's interesting that God in this, he almost says word for word the same exact thing he said the first time. It's almost like he's, he's recreating the situation from before that Jonah was replaying in his mind while he was in the belly of the fish. He's almost like, all right, this is take two. Let's see if you figure it out this time and do the right thing. So verse 3, So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. First of all, just kind of reflect on that, what that means. Uh, You know, Jonah comes and tells him, he goes, Hey, in 40 days, Nineveh is going to be overthrown if you don't repent and turn to God. And that was all the wake up call that they needed. They immediately turned to God, but it says, From the greatest to the least, and it even says that the king of Nineveh himself, so think think of, you know, in our situation, you know, in our country, if, if our country were to turn back to God from the top-down president all the way down to, you know, just regular citizens, if we were to all turn back to God, like, the kind of picture that that would be, first of all, to see everybody recognize, okay, this is where we're at, this is where we need to be, we're nowhere near where we need to be, so let's turn back to God. And that's what's happening here, like it says... From the greatest to the least, they all turned to him. That was all the wake-up call that they needed. So, and it says, and he, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God, Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their in their hands who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not and God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not so there's a couple things there at the end that, that are really interesting I like in verse 9 when when, uh, when they're saying who knows what God's gonna do we could repent and. And turn to him, but they're recognizing that, you know, he's God. He can still be God and punish us because of what we did. We deserve that punishment. So they're recognizing who knows if he's, you know, show us that grace and mercy, but we should repent and turn to him anyway because that's the right thing to do because we're living wrongly. We need to start living right. Um, But it's it's interesting that in verse 7, we see that it pretty much, they almost made it a law. Listen, everybody needs to Needs to fast, everybody needs to get on the same page because if we don't god's going to show his wrath. so just to kind of look back over uh, chapter three, um, first of all, we see that Jonah doesn 't hesitate, right? God gives him pr- almost the same line again, and it says in verse three, so Jonah arose. God in verses one and two says, "Go unto Nineveh, preach unto them, and then right away Jonah arose so again, no hesitation, this obviously he learned his lesson. He didn't want to end up where he was before. Um, So, again, you know, we've been there, and I'm sure a lot of us have been there with our parents growing up, right? You know, we make one mistake, and we mess up, and we get punished for it, and the punishment definitely uh, straightened us around and realized, I don't want to do that again. So maybe next time they ask us to go do something, we kind of think back, you know, I remember before I didn't do it, and I didn't really enjoy what came back my way. So this time I'm going to go ahead and do it. So we've been there before, you know, with our parents and, and things like that. And that's what Jonah's doing here. He immediately goes, doesn't hesitate, and he goes and does what God wants him to do. Um, and then we see that Jonah preaches his, God's message to Nineveh and they repent. You know, again, they're king. He led as an example. And that's what we can do, really. You know, I was talking before about how you know, what if our country, we were able to see our country or our community? You know, you can look at it at any different size you want, our, our state, city, whatever. Um, if they were to kind of just turn back to God, repent, and what that would look like. Well, we as the church, we can lead by example, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're called to do. We're called to really just point people to Christ, right? We're called to go out, spread the gospel, and make disciples of people. And really that boils down to sharing the love of God and pointing people to God. And so that's how we can lead as an example, just as the king did uh, in Nineveh. Um, And then it's also interesting that they didn't hesitate in their repentance. And it kind of makes me think of if if you've ever, if you're somebody who uh, got saved when you were really young, maybe you grew up in church, uh, whatever the situation was, if you got saved when you were really young um, and, you know, now you've, you know, lived so much throughout your life, and then you kind of look at somebody, uh, you know, like sometimes you can see it with teenagers or even people older than that, somebody who was never in church growing up, and they get saved. And you look at them, and they're like totally fired up, on fire for God, ready to go out and just take on the world for Jesus. And you're thinking, like, how, how can they have that? Kind of, like, why don't I have that kind of passion, that kind of, you know, intensity in me? Um, and I think it's the same way with Jonah. You know, Jonah... He wasn't new to God. God was calling him to go preach unto the city. And so maybe he was kind of, you know, complacent, you know, kind of obviously he was unaware that God was in control of everything because he thought he was in control. So he kind of got to where he was just kind of maybe going through the motions and not recognizing how great God really was. And so when he heard the message of God, you know, it didn't really wake him up or, or spark anything in him right away. But these people, they were so wicked, they were completely away from God when they saw the, and heard his message it was something completely new to them and they just immediately didn't even think about it they're just like, alright, yeah, let's do it, let's fix things let's get back on the right track um, and that, that's how we can kind of get you know, you know, we come to church every week, read our Bible pray, and we're just checking off the boxes on the list. And we can kind of, you know, lose that intensity, lose that excitement that maybe we had when we were first saved. And um, we can look to, to Jonah and, and the people of Nineveh as an example uh, to that just because we've known God for so long, that we've been in church for so long, that we shouldn't lose that excitement. Because again, Jonah was, when Jonah acknowledged that his salvation came from God, that's all we need to think back to, is that the salvation that we've see, received from God and that should give us all the excitement that we need. We shouldn't need anybody to kind of, you know, motivate us, push us, get us, you know, get us a little push start. Um, that should be all the motivation and excitement that we need. But again, we forget about where we were before Jesus and where we are now. The difference that that is. Um, so it's great to have a reminder like that. Um, but as we we see in verse ten, that God spared Nineveh. You know, they didn't hesitate to repent. They repented, and He spared Nineveh. And if you're like me. Thinking back to, you know, in Sunday school, uh, learning the lessons. Sorry I didn't bring a flannel graph for you guys. That's, you know, that's how you probably learn about the story of Jonah the first time around. But, uh, you know, that's kind of where the story would end, at least from what I remember. So, but as you can see, there's a whole other chapter that we got to get through. Um, But you would think that because of this, you know, Jonah, God's using him to go preach to this city to tell them to repent. They repent, and God spares them. He should be happy, right? This was part of God's plan all along, um, and this is what God wanted. It happened. That's great. I was able to be a part of it. Um, And so Jonah should be happy. But as we'll find out in chapter 4, that's not exactly the case. So let's go ahead and start in verse 3, or I'm sorry, verse 1 in chapter 4. And we're going to read a few verses here. Says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. So before we go on, let's read the, the previous verse of that one. Chapter three, verse ten. And God saw their works that they turned away from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that they had that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Now does that make sense at all? No. He, he should have been, like I said before, he should have been happy. So why is he angry? Well, we're going to find out what's kind of going through Jonah's mind, where his thought process is. Verse 2 says, And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. All right, so first of all, Jonah's getting pretty dramatic here. Um, But in verse 2, I think it's really interesting that he says to him, he goes, from the first time you told me back when, before I even left and got on the ship to try and run away, I told you, I knew that, you know, you're a gracious God. You're going to show them grace. You're going to show them mercy. You're in, you know, you're in control. You're going to see it your way. Um, And so that's why I didn't go. I knew that you didn't need me, so that's why I didn't go in the first place. So he's kind of trying to, you know, rewrite the story almost, saying that the reason he ran was because, well, you know, God, I know you're going to take care of it. You're gracious. You're going to show mercy to those people. So why did you need me anyway? Um, And then he gets to the point, well, he's so angry that God showed them mercy that he didn't destroy them, which, if you think about it, that's kind of crazy. Jonah, he's like... Mm -hmm what was his thought process like even when he was in the fish once he was done praying to God and you know the fish spits him out God calls him to go again and Jonah goes immediately is he already thinking right away all right you know I'm gonna go I'm gonna I'm gonna preach to them and it's not gonna work right they're still gonna be wicked God's gonna you know show his wrath on them and I would have been right all along that it would have been you know no point in going there because they're just wicked and that's how it is um and so was he expecting them to to not repent or was he expecting them to repent because that's what he's telling God he's saying listen i, I know that you were going to spare them i know that they were going to repent because you're God and you're all powerful but he's upset so he must have expected them to not repent um so he's kind of all over the place right now I'm not really sure what what he's got going on in his mind but uh so, again, he says the reason that he, didn't flee, that he didn't go at first, the reason that he fled, was he knew that God would be merciful to them. And so the fact that God was merciful to them, uh, he probably got angry because of everything that he went through, right? Um, there's probably a couple reasons why he got angry. One, thinking, you know, God, I live for you all the time. You know, I, li- I do what I'm supposed to do. Uh, everything, follow the law, all that. These people, they're extremely wicked, And you showed them repentance. And he's thinking of the one time that I didn't do what you wanted me to do. I fled and went the other way. I had to get thrown overboard, almost drowned in the ocean, got eaten by a fish. And they do all these things wrong and they repent and everything's cool. You know, wipe the slate clean. And so he's probably getting upset about that. He's probably getting angry that he had to go through all those things and God ended up saving them anyway. Um, But again, we do the same thing ourselves, right? We put the focus on ourselves. Maybe we look at other people and think, you know, well, their sin's worse than my sin. I only do, like, this over here. But, you know, they have all kinds of greater sin. And, you know, maybe we've been in a point where we've seen somebody get saved. And, you know, instead of rejoicing like we should be, like Jonah should have been rejoicing, we kind of think, like, well, how, how is God, you know, why is God choosing to use that person when they've done all these things well if you i mean if you've met any kind of people like no matter who you've ever met anybody you can think of a lot of times people who've been through a lot of things god's able to use them extremely like greatly because of the experiences that they've had and they can say listen this is where i was this is where i am now and i'm here because of god i mean think of paul right he was there when they were uh, persecuting Christians. He was holding the coats of the people who were throwing stones at Stephen. Um, but now we look back from our perspective and Paul was probably the greatest missionary that ever lived, wrote most of the New Testament that we have, but you got to think maybe some of the the people who were in Paul's time, you know, people who were part of the church, maybe they're looking at him and thinking like, why is, how is he able to do all these great things for God? How is God using him, you know, this is what he was doing before well we're not we 're not looking at it through god 's eyes we 're looking at it through our eyes and we 're doing the comparison game again right we 're thinking well, their sin's way worse than my sin, and that 's what Jonah 's doing maybe you know he 's thinking this was such a wicked city, like nothing they did was about living for God, but they repented once, and god God forgave them, God showed mercy um, so this is the kind of the lesson. Uh, I guess within the lesson, because like I said before, the lesson that I remember from Jonah is if you don't follow after what God wants you, like you don't listen to God, don't go do what he tells you to do, there's going to be consequences, which of course is true. Um, But the lesson that Jonah was ignoring was that he went through his experiences because he ran from God. All right. He was, first of all, he was just kind of focused on why did you let me go through these things? And, you know, That was just horrible, the worst thing that ever happened to me. Why'd you allow this to happen to me? Um, But what he's overlooking is that just as God gave Jonah a second chance, right, Jonah repented in the fish. He prayed to God, uh, you know, recognized he was in control. So just as Jonah repented, God gave him a second chance, said, okay, all right, take two, let's give you this command, see what you do with it this time. Well, he gave Nineveh a second chance, right? They were living wickedly, like, their entire lives, and he said, all right, here's your chance to repent, and they repented, so he showed mercy. Both instances, they, Jonah repented, Nineveh repented, and turned to God, and God showed mercy in both instances. But he's overlooking that fact. He's overlooking that he just experienced that grace and mercy of God himself. Um, and so if you want to read on, uh, uh, let's see, let's read on a few verses here. Verse 5 says, So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. So he's still almost kind of waiting for things to fall apart, right? He's wanting to get a good spot where he can watch, you know, things kind of go down. uh, But nothing's going to happen. Says in verse 6, And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. So he's really, you know, thankful. He's glad that God gave him this, you know, the shade to protect him and things like that. Um, But God prepared a worm when in the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. So God gave him that and then the next morning it was gone. Um, So, I mean, if, if you've read any kind of you know, Bible story. At some kind of point, you're seeing, okay, God's got something going on. He's got something up his sleeve. What is he? What's he planning here? Verse eight says, and it came to pass when he, when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the heat of jo- on the head of Jonah, that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. And then said the Lord, thou hast had pity on the gourd, uh, for the which thou hast not labored, neither made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. So he's saying, you're so upset over this tiny, this, this, this one gourd, this one thing. You didn't put any work to grow it. You know, you didn't put any labor for it. It just came up in a night and it was gone in a night. Um, and then verse 11 says, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons, that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? So God's saying, you're so concerned about this gourd, how can I not be concerned about this city and, and want to spare these people and show them mercy if they repent to me? He's, he's kind of showing them, listen, you're so worried about this tiny little thing and you're overlooking this city of so many people you're, you kind of got things out of order here, things that you're you're putting in, in the wrong order of importance. And so um, Jonah, he's really just kind of completely oblivious to all these things that God's trying to tell him. Um, so what can we learn from Jonah, right? Obviously, we know God's in control, um, that God's going to use our trials uh, and how we react to those trials and hard times to point others to Christ. Uh, we also know that, We shouldn't wait till we hit our lowest point, our rock bottom, to turn to him uh, because really we're going to save ourselves a lot of trouble, a lot of grief. Um, Obviously, uh, we should surrender to God willingly and thankfully. Uh, Our experiences in life are a direct result of either running to God or away from him. So think about that. Our experiences in life, the things that kind of come our way, whether it's good or bad, think about Jonah's life. Think about this as far as Jonah's concerned. Our experiences in life are a direct result of either running to God or away from him. So it really comes down to making that right choice of, am I going to seek God in this area or am I going to seek what I want to do? Um, and then finally, God shows mercy when we repent no matter what we did. Again, thinking back to Jonah, uh, he ran from God the one time and tried to hide. He repented and God gave him a second chance. Nineveh lived wickedly their entire lives. They repented and God gave them a second chance. So it doesn't matter who we are or, or what we've done. Uh, God's going to, if we repent and turn to God and accept him as our Savior, he's going to give us that salvation, which because of that, there's no reason we should ever be looking at anybody else. We should just be thankful at the salvation that we were able to receive uh, and the new life that we have in Christ. So what's the big picture lesson that we can learn from Jonah, though? Um, really, it's that when God is calling us to do something, it isn't all about those that we're going to serve. So Jonah was called to go preach to Nineveh, right? But as we saw throughout the story, it wasn't just about the people of Nineveh that he was going to go serve. God will also use it as a way to teach us, so we can grow as well. Because He will always want us, or He always wants to have a better relationship with us. So, kind of try and think of that, like as far as the story of Jonah is concerned. God knew all along that when Jonah finally went, that Nineveh was going to repent and turn back to him. He knew that that was going to happen. Uh, also, God knew that he didn't need to use Jonah to have that happen. God could have used anybody else, right? He could have sent anybody else to go preach that same message. But he chose Jonah because clearly this was a lesson that Jonah needed to learn. You know, he needed to learn that he that he needs to trust god more first of all but that it doesn't matter who you are really that as long as you repent and turn to god that he's going to give you that salvation he's going to give you that second chance um and that's what we need to kind of take away from jonah is you know first of all not be looking at other people and doing the comparison game um also when we're witnessing to people making sure that we don't have in the back of our mind like well you know I guess God can save anybody, so he can save this person. But think back to, well, God saved me, and that's all that really matters as far as I'm concerned. I'm just called to share the gospel and tell people about Jesus, and he takes care of the rest. We don't need to be looking at, and, and judging and, and, again, doing that comparison game. Um, so, again, just to kind of take that final lesson away from Jonah. Jonah's final lesson is, again, in verses 10-11 in, verse, in chapter 4. And I'll read those verses again. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? So, really, just kind of take away from Jonah the idea of not getting wrapped up so much in ourselves. You know, our day-to-day schedule, our lives, whatever we have going on, to where our, like, priorities, our um, perspective is way off base um, and not anywhere near how God is seeing things. Now, obviously, we're human, and we're going to need to pray to God and have his guidance to be able to see things how he sees things. Um, But we need to make sure that we're not getting so wrapped up in everything around us that we're missing what God has for us right in front of us and what he's trying to show us. And so, again, that's the, kind of the secondary lesson of Jonah and um, that we can take away, not just the idea of, well, if you do, don't do what God says, you're going to get swallowed by a fish. That's a great lesson to learn. That's a good one to keep in mind. Um, but really just not letting things get so crazy around us that we get distracted and uh, kind of get our focus off God. So let's go ahead and bow our heads in prayer. We're going to have a time of invitation here. Um, but as we pray, just kind of uh, open your heart to what God has for you this morning, what we kind of looked at in the story of Jonah, um, to just kind of keep our focus on, on the right things, um, kind of open our eyes to what God has for us um, each and every day. Dear God, I just pray that as we uh, um, leave here today and go our separate ways, um, whether we're going home, going out somewhere, um, spending time with people, whatever it might be, God, I just pray that um, we're aware of our surroundings, First of all, God, um, whether it be from the aspect of how we deal with our our trials and our hardships, God, um, what kind of picture we're showing other people around us, or even just maybe we're completely oblivious and unaware of something that you're calling us to go do, God. And I pray that um, when we do become aware of that, that we don't hesitate as Jonah did in the first place, um, that, that we don't turn and run. And God, I just pray that if we have any kind of hesitations, um, things holding us back from following after you, and whatever that is, God, that we recognize we don't need to trust in our own abilities. Uh, that we can trust in you. That if you're calling us to do this, God, then you must have a plan in place. So I just pray that we uh, keep that in mind. Uh, just, just be with us as we, uh, when we leave here today, God, um, just to keep our focus on the right things, to, to keep things in the right perspective, and. Just remember the repentance or the the mercy that we receive from you and the grace that we receive from you, the salvation, God. Uh, and really, just remember that every single day. If we if we keep that in our mind and we never forget um, the change in our life, the new life that you've given us, then all these other things are going to be much more easy for us to uh, to live out, God. Uh, we know things aren't always going to be easy. There are going to be hard times. We know that if we follow after you, that um, we are going to have persecution. We know that um, that there are going to be those things, but we also know that your yoke is easy and your burden is light, God. And I just pray that um, we keep that in mind and I just be with us this morning. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So if you, let's go ahead and stand. We're going to sing a few songs. If you want to come forward, um, whatever, however God's speaking you today, if you want to come forward and pray about that, you're welcome to come and do that, but we're going to sing uh, a few verses of a hymn.